0: Well, good morning. You know, we live in a culture today uh, that is certainly revolves around a a 24 hour news cycle, don't we? Uh, Some would actually even say that it's not a 24 hour news cycle, but it's actually a 60 second news cycle uh, to where we hear some kind of a story and it comes uh, via our way through a cell phone, through a tablet, through a television, through the radio, through a billboard, through this, through that, through word of mouth, uh, and all kinds of things. And it hits us, doesn't it? And it can certainly uh, leave us debating and us talking about it. And then we go to bed. And then the next day, a new dawn emerges. And then it's another story that we hear. And it's just over and over and over again. That's kind of the culture we live in today. Uh, Just for instance, Recently in our culture, there was two men. They were indicted for charges. And supposedly they're close to the President of the United States. That was one story. And then uh, the dawning of a new day comes. And the next day, John McCain, Senator, uh, war hero, passes away. And that's what we hear about. And it's re- rinse and repeat over and over and over again. We go. And if we're not careful, we can let these 24-hour news cycles, these actually 60-second news cycles, leave us bitter and scared and fragmented and angry and all kinds of things. We end up looking like this guy right there, right? How many of you felt that way in the last day, last week, last month? How many of you felt like that in the last few months? Just be honest with me. Yeah, it's a lot of us here today. Well, on top of that, On top of all that goes on in our culture around us, then we have our own personal uh, things that we struggle with as well, right? We, We, the doctor... Uh, gives us a news that we have something that we weren't expecting or a relationship doesn't go the way we thought it would. They leave or she leaves. Or for instance, some unexpected thing enters our atmosphere and we're kind of shaken by it. Or perhaps in this place today, there's just this sense of loneliness or you just feel like you're depleted and you certainly just don't know where to turn to gain uh, just a strength once again. Well, as we turn to Psalm 115 this morning, we're going to look at this psalm together. And as we look at it together, I'm going to outline a few things that we can take home with us today. But most importantly, how are we to stay together when it's a world that's just unraveling uh, before us? So would you stand? And we're going to read God's word together. If you don't have a Bible or smartphone tablet, it's going to be on the screen. And I'm going to read Psalm 115. We're going to listen to God's word. Not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory because of your faithful love, because of your truth. Why should the nations say, where is their God? Our God is in heaven and does whatever he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold made by human hands. They have mouths, but cannot speak. Eyes, but cannot see. They have ears, but cannot hear. Noses, but cannot smell. They have hands, but cannot feel. Feet, they cannot walk. They cannot make a sound with their throats. Those who make them are just like them, as are all who trust in them. Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. House of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. The Lord remembers us and will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, small and great alike. May the Lord add to your numbers, both yours and your children's. May you be blessed by the Lord and maker of heaven and earth. The heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the human race. It is not the dead who who praise the Lord, nor any of those descending into the silence of death, but we will bless the Lord both now and forever hallelujah. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for your word, and I pray that we would understand it. But more importantly, Lord, we pray that it would transform us from the inside out. In your name we pray. Everyone said amen. You can be seated. Now, we are not sure who wrote this psalm. We're not sure exactly who penned this. We do have an indication of when it was penned, but we do know this, that when it was penned, by the inspiration of God, there was this fire in the gut kind of uh, passion to communicate something to the people at the time and for us today. And if there's kind of a summary of this psalm, it's this, that God moved in the past and he's going to move in the present that God, he moves in our past and he's going to move in our present. It's a, he blessed then, he's going to bless now. It's a trust in God kind of message to all of us. And that's good news for all of us who go through life, go through the 60 second, 60 minute, 24 hour news cycle. And we certainly seem perplexed and overwhelmed at times. How do you live? How do you Follow God. How do you understand and put this into practice of of knowing God moved in the past and knowing God moves in the present? Well, the author, he gives us instructions. And so I want to just go through the passage with you. And then at the end, I want to give you just a few steps. Okay, so we're going to look at it together, go through it one by one. The author begins, Not to us, Lord, not to us. But today... Full disclosure, I so often don't say not to us, but I say it's all to me. It's all about me, don't we? Who do you depend on today? More times than not, unfortunately, I would probably have to admit I depend on me more than anything else. But if we think about it for a moment, where do we gain our sense of breath in our lungs? Where do we gain the beat of our heart? Where do we gain the the dexterity in our fingers? Where do we gain the pulses in our brain? Where do we gain the trees around us? Where do we gain the atmosphere and the galaxy that is perfectly on balance and the sun, that is perfectly uh, in place in in the universe, rotating and all of those things? Where do we gain all those things? It's from God. And because it's from God, we can say, it's not about us that we're just an extra in the character, but it's he's the main attraction. And yet so often the case, we make it about us, right? And so we perfectly construct this little teeny lifeboat and, 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 it's, and it's the USS Ray. And, and, I'm, and I'm in my little lifeboat and I'm paddling away. And as I'm paddling, this little small wave comes up and rocks me and it capsizes me over with the latest 24 hour news cycle or something that hits my life. But the psalmist reminds us, it's not about you. And because it's not about you, there's reasons for that. The reason is that that he moved in the past, that God did. There was this God and he was before you, he was before me. And the psalmist says it's because of his character. And and it goes into the character of God. First one is that, that he is faithful in his love, his loyal, enduring love. Now, where can we find faithful love today? Well, I'll tell you what. It's not found in my dog, Buck, let me tell you. I've oftentimes shared the story about Buck, but, you know, he's a loyal dog. He really is. But his loyalty has an end. And his end is if you have a treat that I don't. If you give him some kind of affection and I don't, he'll quickly run over to you. He'll quickly sit down at your feet. He is not a faithfully loving, enduring animal all the time. Where can we find this kind of love? It's only in God that we can find it, His loyal love that endures. If you think about examples, look at the Israel, the nation, and how they would literally be freed by God. They're sent out on this quest, this adventure. They find themselves in the desert because of their own disobedience, and yet they blame God for it. And what does God do? He doesn't turn His back and say, you know, what, you fools, I have nothing to do with you. He faithfully loves them. And where do we find faithful love of Christ? We find it coming to earth, putting on flesh at the age of 30 beginning a ministry, performing miracles, sharing about God, incarnating who God is, being an example of God is to all of us in a visible way, and then getting up on a tree and dying for the sins of humanity, and then giving us righteousness, not because of our own, but because of his righteousness, imputing it to us. This is his faithful, loyal love. But not only do we see his faithful love, but we also see his truth. The author says that. Now, what is the truth of God? What is this character in the truth of God? Well, the truth of God, it's everlasting, that it's never changing, that it's the, 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 the picture frame that we should view the world. It's our source. It's our so, uh, center. It's our north point. It's it's our focus, you know. So often the case, I will, <laughs> I, my wife will ask me to hang a picture, and to be honest with you, I hate hanging pictures. And guys, anybody with me, hate hanging pictures. Yeah, but I do it because I love my wife. Okay, and so one of the things I'll get in order to hang a picture is they'll get a laser or a level, and I'll find that little bubble, and I'll try to put it the bubble right in the middle of that level in order to find true center of Horizon, in order to find what is square, what is right at the time. You see, God, he is truth in a world that is subjective and everything is subjective. God is the object of truth. And because of that, he moved in the past. And because he moved in the past, he's going to move in the present. But in my present, in your present, it's so quick and so easy to just start to quiver, isn't it? It's so easy to start to freak out. I'll be quite honest with you. When something comes into my worldview and I'm in my little raft and I'm trying to paddle as, as much as I can and something hits me, a little teeny wave or a big wave hits me, it, I start to freak out and I start to try to control my situation, either by an emotion or something that I can uh, spend money on or something that I can do. It's like a moment of control. And I'm like a finely tuned race car, okay? I can go zero to 60 and trying to build my own pseudo control in two Point four seconds. And so many of you build the exact and have the exact same race car, don't you? Yeah. Why? Well, it's, it's because that we, we don't really trust that he moved in the past and we don't really trust that he is going to move in our present, but he does. And when we turn and understand this, it changes our life. But so often we struggle. And so what we do is we begin to build this alternative trust and source. And when we do, what we've constructed is something that the author begins to talk about next. Verses 2 through 8. I'm not going to reread it, but basically he begins to paint the picture of these idols. Now what idols? What are you talking about, Ray? Okay. What we know about this psalm is that they had just returned from exile from Babylon. Babylon was a nation, a powerful nation that was centered upon graven images and they worshiped idols. And so the author is saying here, he goes, look, do not worship the idols that you saw all around you. And then he begins to make fun. He actually, in a sarcastic tone, begins to make fun of the limitedness of these different idols. He Says it over and over again, and he makes fun of how they can't even speak and 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 how the creator, the, the, the artist, actually created them and how limited that even is. Augustine, in his commentary, he says this about verses five through seven. He says, Even their artists surpassed them, since he had the faculty of molding them by the motion and functions of his limbs. Even beasts excel them, for they see and hear and smell and walk. In Israel, it's like, yeah, we know Exodus 20, right? Thou shalt not have any graven images before me. We know that. But we're sitting here in our seat, 2018, right? Going, oh, I'm good. Whew. I have no Buddhas at home. I'm good. Whew. I have got no idols at home. But before you go like this and begin to pat your own back, put that hand back down and get the smugness out of your soul because friends, you do and you have and you will in the future. Because an idol is anything that you put in place of God. An idol is anything that you try to construct instead of God. An idol, friends, is limited, just like the author said. So what are you to do then? Well, as a believer of Jesus, the author says in verse 9 and following, let's read it all out together. He says this, Israel trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. Verse 10, house of Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. Verse 11, you who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and He, he is their shield. See, if God moved in the past, He's going to move in your present. If God moved then, He's going to move now. If, if He blessed now, then He's going to bless now and bless to come. And why is the author saying this? Well, because he's contrasting. He's saying, look, the idols, they overpromise, underdeliver, and then there's God. Oh my goodness, there's God. What does he do? Well, number one, he lifts the downtrodden. If you're downtrodden today, if you feel de- demise today, Jesus would speak to the downtrodden and he would say this, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble and heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Isn't that great news today? But God also, He has forgiven your past. That's good news for me, because I'm a sinner in need to be forgiven of my past. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The apostle Paul said, You are a new creation. All has been passed away. Because God moved in the past, right? And he's gonna move in your present. But then also, God, he delivers strength in our weakness. When we need it the most. Psalm 55, verse 22 says, "Cast your cares upon the Lord, and He will sustain you." But also God, He's a shield to you." as the author said right there in Psalm 11:5. Here's a quick question. How many times does he say that he is a help and a shield? Real quick. How many? How many? Three, that's right. Not one, not twice, but three times. When you repeat yourself once and you repeat yourself twice, and then you say the third time, do you mean business? Yes, you do. Why? Because obviously people aren't listening. And so the author is saying, look, would you please listen to this? Would you please know this? Pay attention. You can trust him. And so the question then is begged to be asked. Do you trust him? Well, certainly the the church answer is, well, yes, I trust him. If you come in today, you're a follower of Jesus, you're going to certainly say, well, yeah, I trust Him. Maybe today you're saying, well, uh, Ray, tell me something I don't know. I get it. But do you really trust Him? Do you truly? There was a, a man that was a tightrope walker. His name was Blondin. And, and Blondin was known to, to tightrope walk across Niagara Falls multiple times. Now, why would anyone in their Mind everything, this is a good idea. I don't know, okay, but he thought it was a good idea. 160 feet above the water, surely should he fall, he would fall to his death. And he was known to walk across it like it was no big deal. One time he walked to the middle of the rope and he made an omelet for himself. He ate it and walked back. Now that's a breakfast, isn't it? Another time he takes a, a wheelbarrow and he rolls it to the middle of, of the lawn and then he comes back and he comes back to the side where there's a bunch of people watching. He says, all right, how many of you think that I can get a person in this wheelbarrow, wheelbarrow them out to the middle and bring them back? And everyone's like, oh yeah, you can do it. Yeah, we, we, yeah, blonde, and you're awesome. And then he looks at a guy and he says, how about you, sir? And he says, no, thank you. <laughs> but this is exactly what God asks us to do. He doesn't ask us to sit in the sidelines and stand watching a man push a wheelbarrow to the middle. He asks us to get in the wheelbarrow and he asks us to trust him wholeheartedly. And when we begin to trust him wholeheartedly, the psalmist says, well, that delivers the blessings of God into our life. You see, the vehicle, the delivery method for his blessings, if you want to live a blessed life, is to wholeheartedly jump into that wheelbarrow. Look at it in verse twelve. He says, "The Lord remembers us, and He'll bless us." See the uh, the idols—they overpromise, they underdeliver. But the God, Almighty, the Yahweh, the one that remembers, the one that is strong, the one that is sovereign, the one that is in control of all. What He says is, "Look, you can bless, you can trust me, and I want to bless you. First of all, I'm going to bless your socks off with salvation, and that, my friend, is good enough for me." Because this life is temporary, but eternity is to come. And he says, it's not because of your works, but it's because of my work that I've given you salvation. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, 9 says, look, it's because of your faith in me, not because of your works. Nobody can boast about that. It's not about a confession to a man. It's not about checking the boxes. It's not about how good you are, because you're not ever going to be good enough. It's about how good Jesus is. But not only is he going to bless us with that, he's going to bless us with a relationship where you can experience the, the protection and shield of God upon your life. But not only that, the third thing is he's going to bless you with purpose. He's going to bless you with navigation. He's going to bless you with actually a purpose for your life. When the world promises purpose, he's going to actually deliver on a purpose that it brings you peace, that passes all understanding. And as you do that, and he experience the blessing of God, verse 18 there in chapter 15 at 115, he says, but we are going to bless the Lord both now and forever. Hallelujah. Why is that person singing? Why is that person while he can breathe praising God? Well, it's because he's experienced the blessing of God and he's going to leverage that until the day the Lord takes him home. And so the psalmist says, look, if God moved in the past, well, he's going to move in your present. So the question is, will you trust him with your present? But let's get into the nitty-gritty for a minute. Will you trust him with your family? Will you trust him with your child? Will you trust him with your teenager? Will you trust him with your career? Will you trust him with your finances? Will you trust him with your property? Will you trust him with your relationships? Will you trust him? In your season you're in, will you trust him with your very present, with what is you are facing right now? Will you trust him? Will you get in the wheelbarrow when you say, I'm all yours? You moved in the past, you move in the present. Will you trust him? And really the elephant in the room, really honestly is, will you trust him even in the season that Graceland's in right now, right? This last week I began offering my resignation as, pastor at Graceland. And I sent an email out to the whole church. If you did not get that, you can call the church office. You can ask them to send that to you. And it detailed a long, lengthy uh, communication to our church body that I spent a long time writing, to be quite honest with you. And it came from my heart, Sarah and I's heart. But to summarize, it's been a journey of us having to get in the wheelbarrow and asking God, okay, God, we trust you. We're just going to hold on. And God began to move in our hearts and lives out of the blue, not because anything is wrong, but because God is, wants us, his assignment for us is done here. And so we are trusting that God has the next assignment for us. And, and, and we felt called to become the senior pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church. And last week we spoke there and God confirmed that call. And now we're before you today and I begin offering my resignation earlier this week and I stand before you today and I honestly can share with you that I am so grateful for you. And there's all these emotions that I have felt to be quite honest with you. I've cried. I felt sadness. I've felt guilty. (laughs) Full disclosure, I've really struggled with all kinds of things. But as God has helped me understand things, it's that he just said, you just get in the wheelbarrow and you trust me because it's my church, not your church. That I've done these things, not you. Amen. And, and just like, you know, God brought us here, he's going to bring the next pastor here. And he's not going to do things like me. He's going to be so much better, okay? Okay. And and in the months to come, and I say months, not years, in months, because I believe that it's going to be quick. In the months to come, God is going to bless this church in ways you didn't even imagine. I just believe that God brought us here to do a certain work. And then in the next person, God's going to raise up. He's going to serve this church in amazing ways. And your job is to trust him as he trusts in God. And you're all going to get in the wheelbarrow together and you're going to trust him in the present. I just want to say thank you. Thank you for trusting in Sarah and I. And thank you for serving alongside of us. And this has not come easy, but we just want you to know that we will be your biggest cheerleaders. I, I want to encourage you trust the elders, trust the staff, trust those who God has appointed, because let me tell you, they want nothing but God's glory to be felt. There's nothing uh, wrong going on, there's just God directing our steps. And so I know it's gonna be an amazing ride in the days and months. It's gonna be, uh, the communication's gonna be really, really good. They're already beginning to work behind the scenes and God is already beginning to raise up who he wants to be here. And so we are in a place to just tell the Lord, we trust you in our present. So real quickly, what does that look like? to trust Him in our present. Well, I just wanted to share a few things as we close. Number one, have faith. Just have faith. I know that's maybe a pithy maxim of of sorts, but it's true. The delivery system of God in our life and through our life is faith. Sarah and I have been grabbing onto this scripture through this journey, and that is this one. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. The woman who uh, was sick and bleeding and she had no hope. She grabbed out for Jesus. Remember the story in the New Testament and she's healed. Why? Because she had faith. And when we have faith, God delivers his blessings upon and through our life. Would you grab onto him? The second thing is cry out to him. In those moments where you know you feel out of control, in those moments when you feel like, man, there's a situation in my life, in my present, I don't know what to do, cry out to him. This last week, one of my daughters comes screaming down our hallway in her house at running way too fast. And she comes and she falls and trips and she hits her knee or ankle or shin on something and she starts crying. And I'm in the living room and I'm like, oh, shake it off. No, I didn't do that. Now, what did I do? I run up to her. I get down on me. I pick her up and I hold her as best I can. I say, sweet, are you okay? She just snuggles in. That's exactly what our God, our Heavenly Father, He wants us to cry out to Him. He wants us to seek Him out so that He can lead us beside quiet waters, so that He can restore our soul. So that, and Psalm chapter one, so that He can make in us uh, roots that go deep in a tree that is, full of life. The third is turn from anything that isn't God. As you trust in your present, turn from anything that isn't God. If it's evil, turn from him. Turn from it. If it's fear, turn from it. If it's control, turn from it. If it's gossip, turn from it. If it's error, turn from it. If it's anything that's not of God, just reject it. Because that is not how you're going to trust him in your present. The fourth thing is, I love this, pick patience over panic. When things get too much for you, when things start to overcrowd you, when you feel like the ceiling is getting closer and the walls are coming in and you don't see a way out, would you ask God for patience? Because even when you don't see God at work, guess what? He doesn't mean he's not working. I've shared with you this before, but I'm going to share it again. That even in the midst of seeming silence, he is at work behind the scenes. And he's doing what he wants to do. Would you, would you have, like my friend, would you take that panic moment and turn to it a praise moment? When you don't feel like praising God, would you just say, you know, I'm gonna praise you right now. Even when I wanna panic, I'm going to praise you. The psalmist does that in verse 18. He says, look, we're gonna bless the Lord and we're gonna do that wholeheartedly. The fifth thing is, would you rest in his love and his faithfulness? would you rest in his love and his faithfulness? That his loyal love has been extended to you in the form of Jesus Christ. And the greatest news the world has ever heard or has ever seen or has ever not known about that needs to be told is this news that they can have a relationship with their creator, not because of them, but because of his love for them. And every single time you feel like you can't trust in God in your present circumstances, would you rest upon his loyal love? Would you remind yourself of the gospel? Would you again go back to scripture and remind yourself of the freedom we have in Christ? And also, would you remind yourself and rest in his faithfulness because of his character? The old song just does it so well. Great is thy faithfulness, thou changest not. You know it, right? Thy compassions, they fail not. And as thou has been, forever it will be. And the last one is this. Pray, 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 pray. Pray for your family. Pray for your relationship with God. Pray that God will give you a love for him and a love for your community. Pray for your city. Pray for your children. Pray for those around you. Pray for the group that you're in at Graceland. Pray for the leaders in our country. Pray for those in their state. Pray for the neighbors that are next to you. Pray for the missionaries across the seas. Pray for those that don't know him. Pray for those who are far from him. Pray, pray, pray. And when you can't do anything else, pray some more. Pray for the elders of the church. Pray for the search team. Pray that God will be glorified. And most importantly, church. Pray this, not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be all the glory. May that be our prayer today and forever as we take steps to trust him in our present.